Thank you for listening to our podcast today from Crossroads, South Arkansas. I am teaching Pastor David Preston, Jr. I pray that the words you hear will bring you closer to God and encourage you as you go through your day and week. Thanks again for joining us. Sadly, 152,000 people died today. 152,000 died yesterday. And 152,000 will die tomorrow. According to the CDC, 2.8 million people died annually in America alone. From America to Antarctica to Australia, most people have no clue where they will spend eternity. Opposed to sit on the sidelines, we elected to get in the game. Regardless of providing relief during natural disasters, distributing food and clothes to the poor, helping eradicate human sex trafficking nationally and globally, influencing influencers, motivating world-class athletes, investing in students at public and private school assemblies, ministering to powerful politicians, counseling heads of state, or preaching the gospel at citywide crusades at home, or massive sports stadiums abroad. From coast to coast and around the globe, exist to reach the lost at any cost. From London, England, Guatemala, the Bahamas, Jamaica, Mexico, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Romania, Paris, Philippines, Brazil, Africa, Tokyo, Pakistan, India. 7.7 billion people call China Earth home. Sadly, Earth is not our final destination. We have two options, heaven or hell, but not both. And hell is too long to be wrong. We're reaching the world one soul at a time. Time is ticking, people are hurting. And our mission is to offer hope to folks on Main Street to Wall Street. From our house to Hollywood. In schoolhouses, church houses, and even the White House. Time is ticking. People are hurting. But hope is on the way. Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. I wanted to show you that clip. Um, Frank uh, released that video just a couple days ago. It's their new uh, branding for his ministry and what they're doing, uh, Frank Shelton Global. Um, you, literally, you can see where he's been, where he's going, and he's coming here. Um, that in itself, to me, uh, is a miracle. You know, a guy that has traveled the world is coming to Crossroads to tell you about Jesus. And we're excited about Frank. I was talking to him yesterday. We got his flight all worked out and 
Wendy's coming in and Wendy's heading back and I can't tell you how excited he is to be coming and to be sharing with us. He loves this area of our state. This will be his third trip to South Arkansas. Um, and some of you have seen him and heard him before and some of you this will be your first time. But I promise you whether you've heard him before or this is your first time, it will change your life. Uh, he's so dynamic and the thing I love about Brother Frank the most is and I've said this to you before, is his humble spirit. Um, that video that we just showed was probably one of the hardest things he's ever had to do because he's going to feel like he's bragging on himself by putting that video out there, and that's just not him. Um, so that video was very difficult for him to do. I can promise you it was. But it's needed because his ministry is going so many places. And we're excited to have him coming here and, and to be a part of what we're doing here at Crossroads. And we talk pretty often, especially through text message. And he sees what's happening here at the church and he's excited about it. He's, he's excited about our church's part in Fellowship of Christian Athletes and how well that's going. And um, he's, he knows that great things are happening here and he's excited to come in and to get to have a part and to get to share in that. And so we're excited to have him and happy to have him. And I wanted to show you guys that video this morning um, to let you see who we have coming. Um, and yeah, I'm selling him. I'm, I'm, I'm building himself up. Or I'm building him up because he won't build himself up. But guys, the, the magnitude of the speaker that Frank is is someone that if it was about them, would bypass Crossroads and go to Prestonwood and Dallas, where you have thousands of members. That's the magnitude of who we have, but because of his heart, he's going to come here and share with us. And that's a blessing. That's a blessing. You don't want to miss October 20th. If you have to come hooked up to IVs, we'll roll your bed in here and we'll find you a place. But you don't want to miss October 20th. You don't want your friends who don't go to church to miss October 20th. That's our goal. Remember, our goal is to find somebody you know who doesn't go to church and bring them on October 20th that morning. You won't have to talk them back into coming that night. They will come back, I promise you. If you get them here that morning, they will come that night. We have so many people in our area that don't go to church, and that's what we're talking about tonight. And what we're going to, or this tonight, boy, I have a cold and the medicine's got me. I don't even know what time it is. We're just here. But um, we're going to talk about this morning is where we're going as a church. Um, the, the, I told you a couple weeks ago that the theme for this thing on October 20th, our one day revival, is going to be breaking new ground. And we're going to talk about that today and next Sunday leading up to Brother Frank coming here for our breaking new ground revival. Breaking new ground in a church, when you talk about that, is when usually they're digging shovels into the ground to start a new building. And we're not at that point yet. We will be soon. There's no doubt in my mind. We've already started talking. We've already started looking at ideas to prepare for that. But breaking new ground goes so much further than a building. Because it doesn't matter how many shovels we put in the dirt if our hearts aren't breaking new ground, it's not going to matter. We're going to have a brand new, pretty building for us. 
And that's not who we would want that for. We want our brand new pretty building to glorify God, number one, but to reach those that are not here with us. I don't need anything new for me. I don't. But we want something because we're growing to that point. So we have to break new ground on the inside. It doesn't matter if this is your first Sunday in church as a newly saved convert or if you've been coming to church for 90 years. You always can break new ground in your spiritual life. You can always start a new beginning in your spiritual life. And we're going to talk about that today in Breaking New Ground. Our sermon title today is Game Changers. Y'all know I love sports. It's a huge part of my life. And as I was coaching, we always would look for the players on the other team that were game changers. Somebody that if they did something with the ball or from their position, it could change the game and the outcome of the game. And we wanted to plan to not let them do that. How could we keep somebody from changing the game on us? I remember one uh, area athlete who went to a school uh, just down the road. He was very good. He's still playing right now in the SEC. Um, he was he was the real deal. Um, and we game plan for him along with the team, but he was as much as our game plan and our preparation. And the reason was, is we noticed from knowing him and seeing him for years, we were really happy he graduated uh, but we saw him for years, we looked at him for years, we watched all the game film, and we picked up on the fact that he was so good, everybody tried to go away from him in football. It was a football guy. He was good at basketball too, but now we're talking about football here. If he was lined up on this side of the defense, everyone tried to run to that side to stay away from him. But the thing was, was he was so good when he had space to operate, when you ran away from him, he could beat everybody you had and would still get to the guy and make the tackle. So teams were trying to go away from him, go away from him, go away from him. And he was making plays. Well, we changed the game plan. We said, where's he good at? He's good in space. The more open space he has, the better player he is. So how do you live in the space that he's in? We attack straight at him. The best player on the field, the guy that's still playing SEC football today, we game plan to run right at him. Why? Because his space is limited. You get him in the open field, he can catch anybody. But when you're running right at him and he only has a foot either way to make a play, you've got more guys in his way to get around him. And we were affected. That night, he only had four or five tackles where he was averaging well over ten. Yeah, there's some plays he just beat us. That happens. But when we limited his space and limited his effectiveness, we won. Guys, it's the same thing in life. The devil is going to impact your life way more when you give him a lot of space to act in. When you give him a lot of area to move and a lot of areas to attack you, he's going to be able to get around the obstacles in his way to attack you and get to you before you get to your destination. But if you go straight at him and you limit the areas where he's at, the limit the areas that he can attack you, and you put more obstacles and you put more barriers between you and him than open space, you have the uh, chance and you have the ability to go right by him. And that's what we want to do as a, as a church. We want to take and become game changers. Rather than letting the other guy change the way the game's played, we want to change the game ourselves. Our vision of this church, when 
when Cliff and Hutch and I started talking about planting the church before Crossroads was even in the picture, we wanted to do something different. We talked about that a little bit. I'm going to give you a few more details this morning. Our target area were families or individuals who were between the age of 25 and 45 years old. That's who we wanted to target. Why? Because that age group, 25 to 45, are the highest percentage of unchurched families in our country right now. So we wanted to target that. If 25 to 45 year olds aren't going to church, why? And what can we do as a church that would invite them in? So we got to praying about it. I started asking people. There's a way you can go to someone who doesn't go to church and in a very Christian manner find out why without making them feel like you're judging them, without making it feel like you're talking down to them. So I would go to people and I'd say, hey, why? I know when you were a teenager you went to church, and right now you're not. What? Why not? Talk to me about why not. I'm trying to figure some things out. You're my friend. Help me out here. What, what can the church do different, or why are you not? And you got the typical excuses. We're just really busy. Sunday's the only day I don't have anything to do. So getting up and going to church adds to my schedule. That's typical. Um, we, we travel a lot. The weekends, we're gone a lot. Um, and I get that. Cindy's played travel ball before. And we've been gone and we've done things like that. And there's the more your kids are involved, 25 to 45, you have kids. The more they're involved, the more you have to be gone. I get that. And I understand those things. And it's a, it's, it keeps you very busy. But the more people I asked, and we got past the generic excuses that people give, we got down to the actual truth of it. The reasons behind it. Not the excuses, but the reasons. And a lot of people told me I can get just as much at home from God as I can going to a church. And I said, well, how is that? And they said, well, at church, it's the same thing. Every Sunday, you do the same things. You go through the same processes. You do everything the exact same way. I can talk to God the same way at my house every Sunday and still get just as much. And I got to thinking, that's wrong, number one. Let me make that clear before it sounds like I'm saying that's a good excuse not to come to church. That's not what I'm saying. That's wrong. But do you realize, and I'm going to use a city that's not ours because I know the numbers for a fact. In the city limits of El Dorado, there are over 100 different churches just within the city limits of El Dorado. 100 different churches. And if you took the population of El Dorado and put it into a hundred different churches, you come up, if I'm not mistaken, with about six to seven percent of the population of El Dorado goes to church when there's over 100 different churches. That's absolutely insane. But then I look at Smackover, which we're technically Luann, somehow. Thanks a lot, post office. Mail route. Uh, mail route, that's exactly right. Okay. But I consider us smackover. We're close enough. We're more smackover than we are Camden. And then I started counting on my head the number of churches in smackover. 
And it didn't take long to get up to around the 20 mark. When you're considering all denominations, all churches, all races, we'll get to that here in just a minute. But when you consider all that, it was it was around 20 that I could just think off the top of my head. And Smackover has about 1,900 people, according to the last population sign I drove by. And if there's about, let's say, 19 churches and 1,900 people, if every person in Smackover went to one of these churches, they'd each be averaging around 100. But they're not. Not anywhere close. You have a couple churches. Uh, First Baptist Smackover is averaging more than that. Um, did y'all realize this? By attendance, if I'm not mistaken, we're either the second or third largest church in Smackover right now. I don't say that as a brag, but it's kind of cool. Um, but I'm not saying that as a brag. That's a gift that God's given us. And if we don't take care of that gift, He's going to give it to somebody else. But if you look at the new people who have come to our church, where's our age group? That 25 to 45. Our target is working. We're getting those families in. And look at our youth group. We have over 10 every Wednesday night in our youth group. Over 10 youth. You're like, well, that's not that many considering First Baptist Smackover has 60. Well, I'm glad for them. And Carly does a great job over there. Landon, their youth director, is a great guy. I love him to death. And I'm thrilled for what's happening to him. But when you think about it, we had eight regular members here before this started and we had 10 youth coming out. That is huge. That's huge. We have more youth coming now than we did before everybody. And there's two reasons for that. That number one is God, and number two is those eight faithful members prayed and 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 prayed, and they're seeing the results of the fruit, the fruits of their prayer. They're seeing that, and they stayed faithful. And they stay true. And God has answered their prayers and they're getting to see that. That's awesome. That's a great thing to see. But we wanted to do something different. If everybody feels like you can go to church and see the same things, then we're not as a church reaching the people we need to reach. You have to do something different. So what are we doing different? What are we trying to do different? Well, we've got screens with all these cool graphics on it. Is that why people come to church? That's not why people stay at church. But if it can help get them to church, then I'll have Cliff doing cartwheels every Sunday he's here if that'll help. Not me. I didn't know pulling out a knee or something. Okay? What else are we doing different? There's a reason we started this in January and we are now in October and we have not had a business meeting yet. You know why? Because so many churches split and lose members because of stinking business meetings over stuff that doesn't matter. Churches have split. Guys, I'm not making this up. This is the truth. Churches have split because they couldn't agree on what color to paint the women's restroom. As crazy as that sounds, it's the truth. I can take you to a church right now where it's happening. I know the church. Where they had members leave 
because they couldn't decide how to paint, what color to paint the women's restroom, and they couldn't come to an agreement. So why give the devil that opportunity to get into our place? We prayed hard when we started this, and we came up with a, a group of court elders that we had, that we had that we felt like God laid on our hearts that said, these are the guys we want you to put in, we were put, God put in front of us, and we want to talk to you. And so we have a core group of elders. And if you're an elder, I do not want you to raise your hand, but the thing is, unless you're a family member of one of those people, you don't even know who they are. That was on purpose. Because you know why? Because I want you to feel as comfortable coming to me and asking about something. Or I want you to feel as comfortable going to any member of this congregation to ask about something. And eventually it's going to find one of those elders and they're going to come to me or they're going to come to Hutch or Cliff or Papaw and they're going to say, hey, somebody mentioned this. Let's talk about it. And we'll get together and talk about it. And we don't have to have a vote. We don't have to have a business meeting. I trust God to put these people in front of me and if we can come to a decision, we'll come to a decision and we'll do what we feel is best. A lot of our churches have deacons. Baptist churches. I'm talking Baptist now. A lot of churches have deacons. And we've discussed in the future having elders and potentially deacons, but not deacons like the good old Baptist church has. Because if you go and you study the biblical definition of a deacon, do you know what it means? It means servant. And I can tell you there's a whole lot of Baptist churches in this world that have deacons that don't think of themselves as servants. They think of themselves as in charge. And if you're serving, you're sure not in charge. We wanted to do something different. As we grow, will our elders grow? Absolutely. And I told you, we've got a plan to even bring in possible deacons underneath the elders, but those deacons would be true servants. So what are we doing right now? We're praying for God to make it clear as we approach this next year if we need to add any elders. We're praying that if God wants us to start this deacon, to make it deacon thing, to make it clear to us who these servants are. Who truly serves the church? And who truly serves God's purpose. If you go and read the good old Baptist faith and message, you're not going to find those lines in there. But we wanted to be different. We wanted to do something where that age group that doesn't have a connection to church can come to church and feel connected. You want me to tell you how I know it's working? Show up one Sunday or one Wednesday night even more and walk into that fellowship hall and look at all the kids in there. Because you know how when this started? My wife Heather, Hutch's wife Megan, Cliff's wife Leslie, Austin's wife Heather were spending every Sunday in that nursery with our children's ministry and that was a sacrifice that they were willing to make and they did that my wife is in there right now today 
and she won't have to be back in there until the end of November. Because our new people are coming in and serving. She's going from every Sunday, and we'll be fortunate to be out here once a month, to now she's there today and won't have to be up there until the end of next month. It's working. And we're growing. And people are seeing and serving. The next thing that I want to mention is I have a vision for this church to be multicultural, multiracial. We are really white right now. Okay? And I don't... I like white people. I don't sound like I don't. But I love everybody. I love everyone. And it drives me up a wall when I hear somebody say, well, yeah, I go to the Black First Baptist Church. Why do we have a Black First Baptist Church? Because if we have a Black First Baptist Church, that means we have a White First Baptist Church. Why? Why? The last song we played before service started was a great gospel song because apparently if you have a praise song in the black church, it's got to be a gospel song. But if you're in the white church, it's a worship song. <laughs> but did you hear the words of it? Did you hear the power of it? You thought I was worth saving. You know, I played that right before that if we have somebody in this church today that is struggling with something and doesn't know where their answer is, God thought you were worth saving. Yes. So He came into your life. And now you're free. Now you have hope. And you got to go tell everyone you know that God thought I was worth saving. And if you thought I was worth saving, He thinks you're worth saving. Why aren't white churches singing that song? And if you have a problem with that, you're going to be real surprised when you get to your mansion on the corner of Hallelujah and Glory Boulevard and you see your neighbor when he walks into his mansion. Because I can just about guarantee out of all the people who are going to heaven, he ain't going to look like you. So if we're going to be together in heaven, why can't we be together here? So if your friend on October 20th that you know doesn't go to church is not white, you better ask them or I'm going to be mad at you. You're going to have to pray for your pastor. <laughs> the whole part of this, and I promise I have a sermon I'm going to get to here in a minute. Y'all are like, he's not preaching yet. <laughs> I promise I'm going to have a sermon here in a minute. But the whole point of this and why we wanted to be different is we knew and we discussed this at length. Guys, I, I wish I could tell y'all how much conversation went into this even before Crossroads was in the history. We knew we were going to do things that some people didn't like. We knew. And we are 100% okay with that. Why? with all the Christian love in my heart. If you don't like what we're doing here, that's okay. There's 19 other churches in Smackover that are doing it the way you want it to be done. 
and you will not hurt my feelings at all if you feel like that's where you need to go. That's okay. I don't care where you go to church as long as you're going to church. And it's a church that's teaching you the Bible. And there are a lot of churches in our area that are teaching you the Bible. So I don't have a problem with that. So if you don't like the way we're doing it, that's okay. Because we weren't doing it this way for you. Does that make sense? That sounded really mean. And I'm not trying to be mean. But we're doing this for God. And if that brings in other people who would not go to one of those 19 other churches, then yes, it's worth it. We want it to be different. We're nine months and one weekend now. Have we made mistakes? Absolutely. Have we done a lot of things? Yes. Have we accomplished a lot? Yes. Are there things we look back on and say, yeah, we probably wouldn't do it that way again? Sure. We're three guys that felt the Lord calling us to do something and we don't have the answers of everything. That's why we wanted to make sure we had an elder body we could go to and bounce ideas off of. We would be wrong if we didn't have some type of accountability and people that could hold us accountable as well. And that's why we wanted that. And that's why we were so sure of that handful of people that God placed on our hearts that will look to grow in the future. But with the mistakes that we've made, I can promise you we've done a lot of things right too. And the evidence is sitting here today. The evidence is back in that fellowship hall right now. The evidence is in this youth room we had to buy to make room for people on Wednesday nights. The evidence is of a women's Bible study on Thursday nights that the women of this church started on their own. They came to me and said, hey, is it okay if we do this? And I'm like, you really think I'm going to tell you no? Of course it's okay. We wanted and we are different. You know, the last thing, and I'm going to move forward because I meant to say this earlier and the Lord just brought it to my mind so I can't let it go. Those people that weren't going to church said that they walked into church and they felt like outsiders. Even if they knew people at that church, they felt like outsiders. I wish I say the word literally a lot. Hutch, you guys don't know this. Listen so intently to my sermon. He keeps a check mark list of how many times I say literally in a sermon. Thirty-seven I, for the month of September. Month of September is thirty-seven. That's pretty good because there was one week I had I think twenty-four or twenty-five in one sermon. That's literally a lot. Um, but. Here's the thing. I don't know how many, I say literally a lot, I don't know how many times I've said the word family when I talk to you guys. And the reason I stress family so much is because when somebody walks into these doors, I don't want them to feel like an outsider. I want them to feel like they've always been here. Because if people aren't going to church because they don't feel like they're part of the group, 
then that's a church problem. That's a people problem. That's not a God problem. So when people come to this church, we want you to feel like family. Now here's the catch. I'm one of those people when I go to a new church, I'm perfectly fine sitting in the back minding my business and getting in and getting out. Y'all notice we don't have one of those get up and shake a hand and greet everybody time. Some of y'all would love that. We don't do that because of me. I am the guy that said, no, we're not doing that. Because I'm the guy that when I go into church, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. So, I wanted to try, even though that's a great time to make somebody feel welcome, here's my theory on that, guys. I promise I'm going to get to my sermon. I promise. But here's my theory on that. If we have to have a special time set aside to go greet somebody, we're doing it wrong. If you see somebody new in our church and I have to wait till they shake a hand to greet somebody to go tell you to go say hi to somebody, we're doing it wrong. We should have went to them as soon as they walked into this door. We should have let them get to their seat to tell them, hey, we're happy you're here. That's different. So I didn't want anything for somebody new that would come in that would make them feel uncomfortable and that would make me feel uncomfortable. So I know I'm not the only one in the world and me and Jeremy would feel uncomfortable with that. You're, you're my man right now. All right, hand God. But there's something authentic about going and telling somebody you're happy to see them without being told to go do it. Because you know why it makes me feel uncomfortable? Because in my sinner's heart, when I'm at those churches and people come up and shake my hand, what goes through my heart is the only reason they're doing that is because it's the time to do that, not because they're really that happy to see me. Does that make sense? So we're not going to do that. If somebody is here, if somebody has been here 163 times, don't tell them you're happy they're here. It's family and make them feel involved. If y'all hadn't figured it out, I'm kind of setting out a game plan for October 20th. Do y'all see that? Because I fully expect this church to be packed on October 20th. Not because of me. Not because of Frank. Not because of that, but because of God. And because of you guys and us, all of us being willing to be His servants and bring people to hear what we know they need to hear. <coughs> I have visions of that little foyer back there being so crowded we have to make a walkway just so people can get in because everybody's back there telling everybody how happy we are to see you. How awesome would that be? How awesome, oh, this is going to get you good get you good in your Baptist heart. How awesome would it be to have to start church 10 minutes late because we're telling everybody we're so happy to see and we can't get everybody in the door. Right. <laughs> you know why we don't have bulletins? So we don't have to stick to them. Because if you have a bulletin and it says we're singing hymn number 371 and you get to hymn 371 and you don't sing hymn 371, guess what? There's going to be somebody in the church that's going to be mad. 
crazy, but it's true. So we don't have bulletins, so we don't have to stick to them. If I want to spend the first, I got three minutes to preach my sermon. <laughs> <laughs> my cheat clock back there is not working. <laughs> This creates a problem. <laughs> I, and I will, to an extent. Okay. Um, but, boy, I need my cheat clock back there. That's rough. Um, but here's the thing. I, I just fell this morning after <laughs> thank you Austin. Um, he's holding the clock back there for me. <laughs> this morning as Papa started singing, I went back on my notes. I walked back into that kitchen and grabbed a pen and I walked back and I said, sell the vision. Sell the vision. Maybe that's what God wanted me to do today rather than the sermon that He had me prepared. Okay. He does that. I just want to be different. I want when people leave Crossroads to say that was different. Because if they say it, We've accomplished our mission. Whether they come back or not, they've experienced something that was different. And we gave them an option. Because now they can't say, well, I don't go to church because it's the same thing. Am I a great preacher? No. Let me answer that question for you. No. There's three-fourths of the time I get up here and feel like I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm prepared. I've prayed. But the Lord is working me into this role. So there's times where I feel like I'm a fish out of water. Then there's times like last Sunday where I felt like the sermon went really good. And I get home and my wife's like, no, that one was okay. She's joking. She doesn't say that. But there's times where and then there was a couple Sundays ago I sat in the back of the church after everybody left and I felt like I'd been beaten with a bat and I looked at my mom and this one is true and I said that was horrible <coughs> that was awful she always tells me it was good so I don't know if she was telling me the truth or not more than anything what's best for this church. And I feel like I put more pressure on myself than anything. I did when I was coaching. I do here. Because if I don't give it my best effort, I'm failing you. And I'm failing God. But the great thing is, and what I know and how I keep myself remotely sane most of the time is it doesn't matter what I try to say. I can say the word thee, and if God wants you to hear the word and, that's what you're going to hear. I don't know how that works. 
but I know it's the truth. I'm looking through here this morning, and everyone that I can see this morning, unless I'm just, just missing somebody, has been here before. A few times at least. Whether you've officially joined the church or not, I consider you family. And I hope you feel like family. And I hope that you feel comfortable enough with us that you can come share with if you have something that you'd like to know, a question, that you can answer. I want you to be that comfortable. I went to a meeting a couple weeks ago. And during that meeting, it was stated, we're taking this path in an effort of full transparency. Now guys, this was a religious meeting. Okay? It was one of the business meetings. And he said, we're taking this path in order to have full transparency during this process. So I'm asking you not to have any backdoor meetings that could sidetrack this process. And the first thought that went through my mind is we're having to ask Christians not to be dishonest and go through a backdoor channel to make sure we can do the right things we're supposed to do. How messed up is that? You want to know why churches get a bad name? That's it right there. The fact that a religious meeting about churches, it literally, I said it, had to be asked to be up front and to be honest and not do anything behind closed doors. If we as a church have to do things behind closed doors, the only explanation for that is there's something shady going on. Father, when we sold him our ideas, want and believe that Crossroads is a game changer. <coughs> our Facebook page is Crossroads South Arkansas. Why does it not say Crossroads Baptist Church? Because there's people that won't go to a Baptist church because of things that have happened in the past. Are we a Baptist church? Yes. Are we doing things differently? Yes. 
But I did not want that name to be a reason that somebody would automatically mark us off the list. Because we're different. We're different. You know, God God has plans and today sure shows that His plans aren't always our plans. And he said, this is my new haircut. It was a mistake <laughs> or an accident. <laughs> and, and, and I think it looks good. Um, I, I take great joy in this because I have a new hairdo that I stole from Timmy. <laughs> and they tell me, those of you that are my age will remember a Nickelodeon cartoon called Doug. And they say I look like Doug. It's not that funny, Sam. And I told him I look like the bad kid on Doug, the little redheaded kid. That's what I look more like. Anthony got It's true. He watched Doug when he was growing up. It's true. Every one of y'all else that has a computer is going to go home and be Googling Doug the cartoon here a little bit. And y'all are going to laugh just as hard as they are. But it's okay. I like it. And Cliff told me he went to sports cuts yesterday to get that haircut. And the lady didn't ask what she wanted. She just said, let's get to number six and see what happens. And he said, hair just went all over the place. <laughs> and I said, I bet you had a panic attack. And I had died laughing. And he said that he was text messages. And he was like, you know, they turned me towards the TV. They didn't ask any questions. I couldn't see Leslie and the kids. And when I turned around, that's what it looked like. <laughs> now, for those of y'all listening on podcasts in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, you have to know Cliff. I've always wanted to say that. Um, but Cliff had long hair. I used to joke with him that just because you're singing about Jesus don't mean you have to look like him. <laughs> and then he shortened it up a little bit. And now he looks like a banker. <laughs> but sometimes your plans don't always go like you intend them to go when he walked in the sports club, that's not how he envisioned walking out. But it could have been worse. And who knows, that could end up being a game changer in his life. I might have to have you and Mr. Barry talk after services because clearly he doesn't like it and you do. So. Um, but I understand. I understand. That means she doesn't like my hair either. Um, but, you know, it's. There's a plan that we have. And then there's God's plan. 
and it's silly using a haircut as an example, but I couldn't pass down the opportunity. And I never figured he'd give me permission. And when he did, I'm like, well, we got to run with this before he changes his mind. But we have plans. We have ideas. When we started this back in January, we had plans that we were, I mean, we had it down by, by six months, this is where we're going to be. And by nine months, this is where we're going to be. And you know what? We have, and the plans are ambitious. And I look back at those plans and they're still in place. They're still there. And the growth is happening and what we're doing is happening and it's all there. It's just got to be God's time, not my time. Nothing that we thought when we started has changed. Matter of fact, the fact that it hasn't happened yet has shown me that even through the ambitious plans we had, that God had better plans along the way. And things that we hadn't even thought about, God said, let me throw this in there as an extra blessing. And we've seen that. And I sat there and thought, what if we just stuck to our plan? We would have missed what God had for us right there. It's the same way in your life. You have plans, you have goals, you have dreams, you have ideas, but none of that matters. The only thing that matters is are you doing today what God wants you to do? And if you're doing what God wants you to do today, then everything else is going to take care of itself. I'm going to tell this last story and then I'll be quiet. And we'll, I'll do something with this sermon at some point. Um, there's a story I like to tell when I go talk to FCA groups. And I, I told this this week when I was speaking to the Harmony Grove football team. And I told it to a few other places, so you might have heard it before. There's way back in the day. Uh, Georgia Tech University in Atlanta was in the Southeastern Conference. And their big rival at that time was the University of Alabama. Georgia Tech had a coach, his name was Bobby Dodd. If you go to a football game at Georgia Tech, their stadium is named after him now, Bobby Dodd Stadium. And if I'm not mistaken, Bear Bryant was coaching Alabama at this time as well. So two legendary coaches were in this game. Huge rivals, close game, old school football, knocking each other out, low scoring. It got to the point where Georgia Tech had the ball. They needed a first down to secure the game. Alabama was out of timeouts. They run a play. They get a first down. There's 10 seconds left in the game, and they're up by five points. Alabama's out of timeouts. All they have to do is kneel the ball, and the game's over. So Bobby Dodd calls in the play to the huddle. And he says, take the snap, kneel the ball. In today's terms, we call that victory formation. If you're in victory formation, you got the victory. Don't do anything stupid to mess it up. So he calls in the early football version of the victory formation. The play gets to the huddle. The quarterback gets all the guys around him, and he looks at him and says, we're about to beat Bama. We can't just kneel on the ball. So he calls a pass play. Everybody line up in victory formation except for this one guy, and you're going to go straight down the sideline, and I'm going to hit you with the pass and we're going to score and run up the score on Alabama. 
And for some reason, the other 10 guys in the huddle did not tell this quarterback that he was a fool. And they all went out and lined up. And they snapped the ball. And when Bobby Dodd was expecting that quarterback to take a knee, he drops back to throw a pass. And I'm quite sure at this point Bobby Dodd said words that I will not repeat in this church service. But the quarterback goes back to throw the pass and the receiver runs down the sideline and he's wide open. It's going to work. The quarterback throws the ball up. It's floating through the air. The receiver's just waiting on it as he runs down the sideline. It's going to work. Out of nowhere comes the safety from Alabama whose job was to be about 20 yards downfield and make sure nothing crazy happened. And he comes into the picture. What that quarterback wasn't thinking on was that safety from Alabama was the fastest player in the country at that time. And he runs and jumps in front of that receiver and intercepts the pass and starts running down the sideline. The fastest player in the country is running down the sideline and the closest people you have to him are linemen. That usually doesn't work out too well for him. He takes off down the sideline and he hits the 20-yard line, the 30-yard line. He makes it to the 50. He hits the other side of the field out of the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to score and Alabama's going to win the game. And out of nowhere, the quarterback from Georgia Tech comes into the picture and catches the guy at the 10-yard line and tackles him. And Georgia Tech ends up winning the game. They're out of time. The clock doesn't, their clock's on zero. And Georgia Tech wins the game. The quarterback who ruined the day ends up saving the day at the very end. When they go in after the game, the coaches go do their press conferences. And one of the reporters from Atlanta asked Coach Bobby Dodd, he said, Coach Dodd, the guy from Alabama is the fastest player in the country. How in the world did your quarterback catch him to make that tackle? And Coach Dodd looked at that reporter and he said, that's easy. That Alabama player was running for a touchdown. My quarterback was running for his life. <laughs> There's times in our lives where we make mistakes or we have plans that if they work, are going to be great. But when they don't, we have to run for our lives to correct our mistakes. And sometimes we catch the guy before he scores a touchdown, and sometimes we're like that big B lineman from Auburn that tripped over the 35-yard line yesterday. If you didn't see that, it happened. He's running for a touchdown wide open, and the turf monster grabs his cleats, and he goes down. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But here's the thing I want you to know, and this is why I, I wanted to tell the story today with my sermon, is this. We have plans. We have visions. We have ideas. And sometimes we make mistakes. In your life, you have plans. You have visions. You have ideas. And sometimes you make mistakes and it feels like you're running for your life just to try to save the day. But it all comes down to this, that if we would have just listened to the head coach in the first place, we would have never had to worry about the problem we're chasing. That quarterback would have listened to Coach Dodd and knelt the ball. The game would have been over and they would have been heroes instead of almost goats. And I mean the old school goat, not the greatest of all time goats, the kids. 
Okay. We have plans, we have visions, but we have to listen to our spiritual head coach to make sure we keep ourselves out of trouble. You want to change the game? Follow the playbook and listen to your coach. And you'll change the game in your life. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Crossroads, South Arkansas. If you're in our area, we would love to have you join us in person for a service. Crossroads, South Arkansas, reaching, inviting, serving, and expecting.